Welcome to the Synaxis Podcast. A Synaxis is a liturgical gathering. It can also refer to an unveiling event. The Synaxis Podcast is a weekly gathering hosted by yours truly, Scott Jones, for the purpose of finding the life-giving healing word of the gospel and the words of the weekly lectionary passages. Join myself and a guest each week as we explore the lectionary text together. This is the place for gospel-rich, grace-saturated, and a properly worldly lens on the week's lectionary passages, all in 25 minutes or less. My guest is Anthony Wick. Anthony is currently finishing his undergraduate degree in theology and is in the process of pursuing the pastoral ministry. He lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with his wife, Jess, and their two children. I give you Anthony Wick. Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Scott, thank you for having me. I am so honored to be on here. Well, it's fun to have you. It was funny because I had a scheduling kind of snafu with somebody, and I thought, oh, what am I going to do? I thought, I'll throw it out to Twitter. And I kind of jokingly threw a bunch of names out there, and then you responded, direct message, and you were the first one, like one minute after I put it out there. So you were the big winner, and you are in Milwaukee. <laughs> you're finishing yeah. a degree in theology, and you're, doing, you're in a discernment process, probably going to be an Anglican clergy person here in North America. Probably. Uh, if God if God wills it, as John Piper would say. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I, I was actually nervous to tell you because I know the certain people that listen to this podcast, and I like a lot of those people. So uh, I don't want to uh, let people down by my appearance on here being, uh, you know, boring or not as interesting as many of your other guests have been. You, so yeah, I'll tell you what, I have, I have complete confidence in you. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate that. And, we, and we've got interesting texts. Our first text is Second Samuel 5, 1 through 5 and 9 through 10. And it's a short text, but you get this. Here we have this picture of David kind of ascending to the throne. And I think what's notable about it is that it's sort of a high spot in Israel's history. But the author here makes it really clear that David's ascent was a result of his connection to God who was with him, the God of hosts, Lord, the Lord, the God of hosts, not just, not his military prowess, not his, you know, right. charisma, although not to say that he didn't have these things. I mean, he, he's, he's develops into a very savvy King, but that's not, I mean, Saul was savvy too. And, uh, you know, that wasn't enough, you know, when the Lord sort of, when, when, mm. when the Lord and Saul had a parting of ways, you know, things changed. And so, you have you have a you have a picture of David who is this stellar success, and yet the author wants to say, but let's remember, right, the secret of his success. Right. Yeah, I think that um, what I find fascinating is this does seem like a pinnacle for David, right? And then it says in at the end, and David became greater and greater for the Lord, the God of hosts is with him. And I sort of reflect on it, like, did he be, I mean, he did become greater, but there is this sense in which he he got drastically worse at times you know he he was not um this perfect person at all uh he he had some really messed up things happen to him and um i guess i'm i'm grateful that that god chooses sinners to do his work and not men of military might and perfect character and you know uh flawless uh flawless life you know uh it's that's what's interesting to me about this passage yeah, I, I think that, I mean, that's definitely the case. And, you know, it's interesting because there's the shepherd imagery and sometimes mm. David is a, is a really good shepherd of people. And other times he's a bad shepherd, the kind that 
that, you know, Jesus talks about, you know, when he talks about the religious leaders who are bad shepherds who won't lay down their lives with the sheep, you know, like, uh, you know, that. So here, you know, you have this picture. I mean, David is, you know, Simon used to set Picado, right? He's a sinner and a saint. And right. Although he's, you know, he's. This is the sort of high point of his story. This is, it sounds a little hagiographic, hagiographic, I guess that's how you pronounce it. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty praiseworthy, but the praiseworthiness, again, is tied more into the fact that he was the anointed one. And it, it's interesting, you think of the, his own calling when Samuel goes out to Jesse and, and looks over all Jesse's boys and he's like, wait, I, you don't have anybody else? Cause, you know, my guy's not here. And then you see this little shepherd boy and that's the guy, you know, this is the, that the, the, the one who is God's elect. He may, he looks more, uh, you know, it, it's funny. Like, you know, just because we're chosen doesn't mean we're choice. He looks a little more choice here, but he didn't look choice in the beginning. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I think you, I've heard you say this once that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. Or he, his, call so, is, his call, his call, right. yeah, right. He, yeah, he qual, yeah, his call is the call to qualify. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, for for Israel, um, even in the time of when Jesus appears, you know, they're still looking for the the mighty warrior uh, Messiah. But I mean, throughout history, the Israel's history, it's amazing that it's always the the stumbling, the small, the weak, the lame is is who God is 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 raising up. And David is, you know, the perfect example of that. And um, that that God doesn't call those who are who have strength in themselves. But you know, I think it relates to, and we'll get to the the, the Corinthians passage. But like, you know, he he calls the weak because that's where he's strongest. And that the main actor in David and the history of Israel and the the history of the world is is God. And that um, there can be no mistake about that because of weakness. You know, Moses who was st- he stuttered and he didn't want to, you know, uh, he wasn't good at speaking. He, there's no way he could rouse people up to, to get them out of Israel. But, uh, but, but God is the, the main actor in all of this stuff. Yeah. That, you know, the other interesting thing too, I think when you're preaching, when you're preaching this to remember is that like, there's a great book, uh, preaching the whole Bible's Christian scripture by Graham Goldsworthy. And he talks about how, you know, up to like David and Solomon, the promises made to Abraham are sort of fulfilled. It's not that there's not sin and, and brokenness and the story is not, you know, it, the story is not perfect, but largely God's, the promises of, to Israel are, are expansively coming true. Like, the, like Abraham is fruitful, his progeny become, you know, a multiple progeny, then they become this big family and clan, then they become a nation, then they hit this great king. And so, it, you know, th- these, these things are, are, are expanding. And then after the David and Solomon, the breakup of the kingdom, uh, the promise moves forward, but almost in hope because the Israel goes, they lose so much of that. Right. And yet mm. the promise still moves forward, but it moves forward, not it moves forward by faith, not by sight. It's much more by much more by longing than fulfillment. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. So here's, here's kind of like the crescendo when things are good. And then after this, it's going to kind of be downhill for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's move on to 2 Corinthians. Great text, 2 Corinthians 12, 2 through 10, where Paul talks about, uh, you know, this great, uh, he, you know, he, he knows this guy. 
Uh, it's it's kind of <laughs> like, you know, uh, Bill Gates said when he first encountered Trump after he was president, Tr- Donald Trump came up to him and says, Trump hears you don't like some things Trump Trump's doing. You disagree with Trump. <laughs> And Gates goes, wait, aren't you Trump? Or should I go, well, Gates thinks this. Like, I mean, how do I talk to this guy? Like, but yeah, yeah, Paul's like, I know a person in Christ who was 14 years ago caught up in the third heaven. Uh, so, uh, you know, yes. whether, whether in the body or out of the body, he's not sure. But, you know, but he says, you know, oh, there's things I could boast about, but, but I won't, you know, um, uh, but I, you know, what I'll boast about is my weakness. That, you know, this, mm. he implores God to take away this thorn in his flesh, which we know there's so much speculation about what that is, right? And we really don't know whether it's that's some besetting sin or chronic condition or something that is yeah. physical. We're not sure. But, it, you know, he, he has this real sense that God says, no, it, it's okay. And you know, that famous passage, passage, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So he'll boast all the more gladly in yeah. his weakness. I, you know, it's interesting about this this passage. I uh, the first I, I remember listening to an audio version of the Bible, and I every time I hear that phrase, "My grace is sufficient for you, my power is made perfect in weakness," I hear it in James Earl Jones's voice. Honestly, every time, so it's like Darth Vader is like communicating, like God's God's you know grace and His strength is made perfect in my weakness. I just I can't I can't get it out of my head every time I hear that phrase. But um, I. I was um, sort of reflecting on what it means for, for God to be strong in my own weakness and what that looks like in my own life. And I think, you know, whatever the debate is about with Paul's thorn in his flesh, it's like, you know, Satan, you know, is is the accuser. And that uh, for me in my life, you know, and this is probably why I, I love Luther so much, but, you know, I find that I'm daily in my weakness is me is me failing in being accused by Satan in that he accuses me of being a great sinner, that I am actually not a Christian. You know, this is, this is part of my, this is my struggle in my own faith. Um, but I, but I was reflecting on this and I was reading Thomas Halik, one of your favorite guys. And I, I've picked up a few of his books, um, in night of the confessor. He's a chapter about what is it? It's, uh, but the joy of not being God, um, and this great, I'll read it to you here, it's just a little bit. Um, when we have the courage to loose from our grip the reins that we don't control anything anyways, but which, which nonetheless drag us along all the time through our anxieties and arrogance, through our ludicrous yet dangerous grandiosity, foolishness, and vanity, when we give up our uh, fictitious post of commander, the universe, uh, we feel enormous relief. If I'm utterly convinced with the full weight of my faith that God is and he, and he performs his task well, what a relief that I don't have to stand in for him in an amateurish fashion, that I don't have to be God. That in our weakness, like, we can rest in God being God for us in, in our absolute worst moments and in our weakest parts of ourselves, that God is closest to us then. And that's where he is strongest, and that's I think he likes us to be in that weakness. Yeah, it's interesting because Marva Dawn in uh, her book on I said power tabernacling and weakness or I forget the title, but it's about the powers and and weakness. She she says one way you could translate this is, um, you know, for, for here in the NRSV, it's you know for power is made perfect in weakness. For but um, she said you know you could translate something like 
in you in my power like it, it basically in in your weakness um uh how did she say it for power is made perfect in weakness in, in in my power or your weakness ends you know my my power begins there's something about like end weakness ends and power mm. begins but or or my power ends or in my power your weakness ends or something like that or this this kind of like but it, it's where power meets weakness where mm-hmm. god's power meets us in weakness i now it's it's bothering me that i don't remember the translation but anyway so for that is perfectly pointless because i can't get the gist of it i, I forget mm-hmm. it. but but there you're right there's it's interesting too like there's only one thing that uh oh no i remember what it, what it, it was something like in my power, your strength ends. That's it. Like, in my power, mm-hmm. your strength ends was like her rendering of it. Like, which is, you know, I mean, that, that, yeah, that, that, cause what is our, our strength? Weakness. Ultimately, it's faltering. Right. right. You know, the one thing that we can do that God can't is tell another sinner what it means to be forgiven. Mm. Yeah. So it's actually, it, it, our weakness isn't just like, like God doesn't love us in spite of our weakness, but our weakness is the occasion for meeting God's love. Yeah, absolutely. I like that that rendering. That uh, that. Hold on, sorry, my daughter is running in here. Um, that in in what do you say that in our our in my in my in my power again? your yeah. strength ends. Yeah, yeah. In my power that, your strength ends. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I uh, I wonder too the how much I, I that. That Satan, even in so, like going back to this for for my for the struggle with Satan being the accuser, like Satan wants us to to think that we're strong, right? So that way yes. we can that he could push that God can be pushed out, that 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 God actually can't work properly. Um, and I think that uh, I was reading um, Henry Nowen or Henri Nowen, how you, however you pronounce his name. Um, I, there's a a statement he made that in our own woundedness, we, we can become sources of life for others. Oh yeah. The and wounded wonder, healer. Yeah. The wounded yeah, healer. Yeah. And I, I wonder how much that plays into that in God, in, in our weaknesses, God, God's light is shining forth brightest, you know, um, that it, it's in our woundedness in which God is able to, to work best t- for others. That it's not our own strength that we, are relying on, but that in our, in our weakness and even in our sufferings is when God is able to, to meet people, meet our neighbors through us. Yeah. And I think about this late quote, I quote all the time, but you know, Frank Lake, the great Christian psychiatrist says, you know, if we look at our humanity Mm -hmm. as something that ought to contain something good in it. And then, you know, inevitably Mm -hmm. when we have existential crisis and we're struggling, we we open the cupboard and we see the cupboard is bare and, you know, we're, we're, we're devastated, you know, like, but we're not meant to be, buckets yeah you know, but or but channels of the life and right. energy for, of god himself so if you get the bottom knocked out of humanity it ruins it as a container but it makes it a great channel because uh, now things can go through and i think that that's so true it's this is the essence of the the teaching of jesus right if you if you gain your life you'll lose it but when you embrace the losing of your life you save it yes chris the the, the christianity is just paradoxical and that's why i think it's so true because there, there is this. There's always this sense in which truth is not something that is. Um, I don't want to say straightforward, but uh, but 
but something in which like that that you know Kierkegaard says that the paradox is the 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 passion of the thinker, and without it, you know, um, I think he says it's life is boring or something some capacity, but. But God comes to us paradoxically because he doesn't want us to rely even on our own capacity of, of, of figuring out, you know, our own reasoning to understanding the truth of the world. But that he comes, he comes to us as a paradox. So, speaking of paradox, let's go to the to the Gospels, the speak of the one that's fully human, fully divine. Mark 6. This is really interesting. This is kind of the prophet knows no honor in his own hometown kind of idea, right? Mm. Uh, here we have Jesus coming to his hometown. The disciples follow him. And, uh, you know, he begins to teach and in the Sabbath, and people are... Astounded, but then it's not a sort of positive astonishment. It seems like it's like, look, Mm -hmm. this is Mary and Joseph's boy. We know his, we know like his his siblings. Who who does he think he is? And they took offense at him, which is so interesting because in Matthew was it sixteen? Is it that where Jesus says to John the Baptist, "Blessed," or, or relaying the message that he's the Messiah back to John the Baptist? He says, "Blessed is he who takes no offense at me." Mm, yeah, yeah. Bro, I just, just I just tweeted that verse out the other day. Um, and so it's sort of like, not I, guess, by me. I guess there's a curse to being offended by uh, the crucified one, you know, by Jesus. Yeah. And he, he could do no power there. And then he goes among other villages and he, he calls the 12 and sends them out and gives them authority uh, to cast out demons and to, to deliver people. So it's mm. an interesting kind of paradoxical thing that, that the people that grew up that didn't know Jesus growing up are sent out to kind of extend his ministry of, of king of kingdom healing and liberation. And the people that are closest to him sort of are, are, are not conduits, but they are, uh, they're obstacles to the mission going up. Mm. I, I wonder why, I wonder why that is. I, I, I want to reflect on that more in my own sort of, you know, do, do we, do we not believe those closest to us? I don't, I don't know. Is it, what, what is that? You know, what, why, why was, why was the ones who Jesus was close to closest to the ones who were in a sense, like stumbling or stumbling about Jesus. Um, but I do think, I, I think about too, Jesus talks about, you know, the family and how the one who does the will of God is my brother and my mother or something like that. I forget what, where that is, um, exactly. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's interesting that they were the ones who, who couldn't accept Jesus's authority. And I wonder to our own, in our own rebellious selves, you know, as a, I'm thinking of myself as a, a kid, like not wanting to listen to my parents or, you know, um, I don't know. Just that it's an interesting passage that I, I think about the way in which Jesus sort of refuses, can't do miracles because of unbelief, you know. And that that's an interesting passage. I was reading um, the Center for Excellence in Preaching with a Calvin. I, I just read Seminary. that myself. Yeah, are you reading that too? 
Uh, yeah, I love... Scott, Scott, uh, Scott Jose. Who's, yeah, he was a guest on the show uh, a right. couple months ago. Actually, his he had a his statement on his prison ministry out there was really helpful for me because I'm actually starting a prison ministry with through my church now. Um, it was really really great. He said that you know we thought that we were going to go bring God to this prison. And they just discovered that God was already working there long before they ever arrived. I think that's such a beautiful picture of the way God works. But I, I like how his statement about, I guess the, the part that I was struggling with this passage was, was the part about how he was, he was amazed at their unbelief, you know, and amazed is used sort of twice here in the passage where the people were amazed. Um, but it's, it's sort of amazed in the, in a way that's always that has the the shadow of doubt underneath it. Um, but uh, I, what's interesting to me, and Scott says it great here. He says, "You see, miracles and deep the deep uh, deep teachings of the type Jesus had been performing were meant to rid, redound the glory of God. They were not a sideshow spectacle. They're not sideshow spectacles designed only to be eye popping for their own sake. This was not titillation for titillation's sake." No, these were signs of the kingdom, arrows pointing to the new day dawning through Jesus' presence on earth. Um, so it's it's interesting, I find, how Jesus, you know, because of their unbelief, and he was amazed, he was amazed at their unbelief, and, and amazed here is is um, more of a the way I think we, we normally uh, consider the word amazed. But uh, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's fascinating that he doesn't work because of their unbelief. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, and Scott Jose says, is, is it, he couldn't or would, wouldn't do it. And that, that's really interesting right. that, 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 and then he tells this great story about his wedding, uh, his, his wedding reception, how great, like it was, and the meal was perfect. And on video, actually they catch someone saying like, they, it's just great time. They're dancing and drinking every time. Fun. And one of the, uh, you can hear his, uh, father-in-law asked one of the relatives how they enjoyed their meal and one of the grumpy relatives said there were no potatoes <laughs> and he says that kind of comment is this not just does not put one in mind to have this person over for a meal sometime jesus did not do many miracles in his hometown because people flat out missed the point they were like the, there are no potatoes they were kind of they didn't have the spirit of the whole thing you know and i, I think yeah. that that's and it's that that sadly is often the church right like the church is yeah. are often the last people you'd want to have a party for forgiven sinners with and and that and yet that's exactly what we should be you know that you know this is that would be a great thing to like before we pray you know if, before worship all right guys remember this is the forgiven sinners party let's have a great time let's look like it i just I, so i hope like in conclusion that you know that we pray not that that the aunt doesn't show up, you know, that's pointing out the the china, but the uncle that brings the wine in, and you know that we come expecting that, and that's the picture of God we present to mm. people all across uh, in our listeners' congregations that 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 God would be lifted up, and that sinners would uh, go from sort of from from guilt and burden to joy uh, at their own forgiveness and yeah. being invited forever yeah. to the party absolutely i w- one more thought to, in conclusion um before this before the the passage our passage here in, in chapter five he he raises a little girl from the dead and uh, there's something fascinating about again going back to sort of this eating and drinking 
picture of what Jesus is doing on earth. You know, he said he charges them to feed the little girl because she's hungry. And he also, after being raised from the dead is, is hungry as well. Um, and I, I pray that we can be, be hungry spiritually to be, to be weak enough to, 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 to recognize our, our deep hunger and only which Jesus can feed us. And that, um, that on the last day he's going to raise us up and, I like David Bentley Hart says um, that the kingdom is not going to be, you know, when God comes back, he's not going to unite all of history's many strands in one great synthesis, um, but will judge much of history false and damnable. And he will instead raise us up and wipe away all our tears and say, behold, and, and he will say to us, behold, I will make all things new. Amen to that. And thanks for coming on the podcast, Anthony. Thank you so much for having me. And we'll have you back. Thanks for listening to the Synaxis Podcast. If you like what you heard, please go to iTunes, give it a rating, write a review, and subscribe, or pass it along to a friend via email, or say something about it on social media. All of those things help so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks to Anthony for coming on the podcast, and thanks again to you for listening to the Synaxis Podcast. Until next time, friends, fare thee well.